0: Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're looking at tonight and we've already read the passage of scripture and uh, I, I've got a couple of questions for you. We live in uh, turbulent times, no doubt about it. You know, we don't, our society doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. By the way, I'm, I'm glad to report to you that the Bible hasn't changed a bit. The Bible's still true. What God calls sin back in Noah's day is still sin today. What God called righteousness in Abraham's day is still righteousness in today's day. And and I'm glad to report to you that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is established. It will never change. No matter what the law says, no matter what the world says, no matter what society or media says, God's word is sure. And it will not change. However, my problem comes when I turn on the TV I probably should just stop turning on the TV. You watch the news, it's kinda hard to keep your focus right, isn't it? You turn on the TV and you watch this report. By the way, nowadays it doesn't matter what news outlet you're watching. You know, it used to be you could say, watch this news outlet, not that, I'm not naming any on purpose. But you say, watch this one instead of that one. And you used to think, okay, at least you're gonna get conservative and balanced news reporting. I'm not saying any names. But nowadays you don't even know that's accurate. And everything's twisted and everything's turned, but I'm here tonight to tell you God's word is true. God's word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. I want to keep looking at Jesus. So I guess my question tonight is this, what are you focused on in 2023? I, I, I love my parents. They, they, are, they are some of the greatest people on earth. They're Christians. Sometimes I give some stories and tell some things and people wonder, well, are, are your, have your parents gotten saved? No, no, they are saved. I love my parents. And uh, they, we were involved in a family business, therefore church didn't happen. And, uh, and, and so that all changed. And, 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 you know, I remember even as a child growing up, my, 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 my grandparents, I, I love my grandparents. Uh, they're amazing. And uh, they're all in heaven now. I didn't really get to know my Grandpa Copeland much growing up. Uh, my Grandpa Copeland, he is just a gruff man. And uh, old school gruff. And, uh, you, you know, he worked at, at Caterpillar, I believe. And on the assembly line in Caterpillar, there in central Illinois, he, he caught a piece of metal in his left eye and, and he lost his left eye. And uh, they ended up replacing it with a glass eye. And, and my Grandpa Copeland, it used to scare me. I know that sounds rude for me to say, but I was scared to, I, I, I didn't know which eye to look at. And that glass eye, I mean, it was like it was focused on me all the time. I remember my parents would say, we're going over to see Grandma and Grandpa Copeland. And uh, come on, boys, let's go get in the car. And we all four boys would load up in the back seat of a Volkswagen Bug. And, uh, and we would load in that Volkswagen Bug and, Windows down, no air conditioner, crammed in. There weren't seat back then. It didn't, You didn't have to have seat belts. And and uh, anyway, we we got in the car. We're driving to driving to Grandma and Grandpa Copeland's. I'm in the back. I'm like, do I have to go in? I don't want to go in. It scares me to go in there. I, uh, why are you so scared? It's Grandpa. He scares me. Why does Grandpa? I mean, it just scares me. And, and as a little kid, I was four or five years old. He died when I was five, so it had to be somewhere in that time frame. Then uh, I, I remember I got to Grandma and Grandpa Copeland's house, and Grandpa always sat on that old metal, squeaky rocking chair under the carport, the outside outside his back porch, and you could I could hear it, you know. And I I don't want to. And they, my mom would say, "Go say hello to your grandpa." Like oh, I don't know, I'm scared. And they said, "Kurt, do you want to spank it?" No, no, go say hi. I know my grandpa, he knew all this was going on. I remember walking out my grandpa and he, he spit tobacco. He had a big old red man shoe and he had it running down both cheeks and, and uh, it was just nasty. And, and he'd, he'd turn around and look at me. They called me Blondie. My hair was a b- bright white. They He'd say, Blondie, come here. He'd just grow up. Blondie, come sit on my knee. Come sit on my knee. Oh, okay. And I would slowly walk over to grandpa. He'd snatch me up, he'd sit me on his knee, right next to that eye, and he'd look at me, and he had to turn his head all the way around, because he could only see with the right one, but that other eye was right in my face, and my grandpa would say, Blondie, what's wrong with you today? Oh, nothing, nothing, and then he'd turn his head the other way, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. My grandpa would do this, he'd reach up, and he'd grab that gra- glass eye, He'd pop it out of his eye socket. He'd take that eye facing this way and he'd turn it around where the pupil was looking at him and then he'd put that eye right up in my face. He'd say, I'm watching you, Blondie. I'm watching you. And I'm like, no, no, Grandpa, no, it scared me. Now you understand why I was so scared. Then he'd take that eyeball. He'd go plop it in his mouth like a Jolly Rancher. Wash it back and forth in his mouth and... Spit it back out, open his eye. I'm, I'm like, uh, watch. Not with my mouth open because I was afraid he put it in my mouth. He didn't pop it back in his eye. And I was scared to death. My grandma Copeland was blind. <laughs> so between the two of them, they only had one good eye. My parents would send me over to my grandma. After my grandpa pa- passed away, after he we went to heaven, my parents would send four little rug rat Copeland boys over to grandma, a blind grandma to watch us I, that just doesn't make sense and uh and she she would and by the way there's not a whole lot to do in a blind grandma's house you know there's not a lot of games there's not a lot of toys uh, so you just had to figure out things to do and I was probably six seven years old and I learned I could have fun with grandma and so I'd walk over I know this is cruel please don't, don't kick me out. This is brother. Rob's the one who invited me to be here. So it's his fault that I'm even here. So blame him. But my, I, I, my grandma had this old wooden rocking chair right there walking into the living room. And I'd walk over there and I'd take that rocking chair and I'd slide it right over in the middle of the walkway. And I'd step back and I would say, Hey, grandma, grandma, come here. And my grandma, I know, I know I shouldn't have done it. I'm confessing my faults, you know, one, one to another. And my grandma come walking around the corner. Yeah, Blondie, what do you want? Oh, Kurt? What? And she'd turn around. She didn't say anything. She'd just turn around. She'd walk back to the refrigerator. She'd reach up on top of the refrigerator and she grabbed what she called a fly flap. She grabbed that old fly swatter. Why a blind grandma had a fly swatter? I don't know grasshopper, something. She reached up and grabbed that fly swatter. She didn't hold it by the metal handle end. She held it by the floppy end. And she'd start coming towards me and you could hear that hanger in the air. I don't know how she did it. My grandma, I, 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 I was quiet as a mouse. I'd go run and hide. She'd push that rocking chair out of the way. I could hear that. And she would She'd pin me into a corner in the house and whack, whack. I'm like, ah, oh, grandma, grandma, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she'd walk away. Move my rocking chair again, Blondie, I'll get you again, I'll do it. I, I, you know what I remember outside of those things? You know what I remember about my grandma? My gra- I remember walking in the room hearing my grandma pray. Back in the day, she used to listen to Oliver B. Green on the radio and, and uh, J. Vernon McGee. And I I still remember sitting down and listening to those preachers on the radio. My grandma sit there and she'd say, amen, amen. And then I'd hear her pray, God, help Blondie. (laughs) You understand why she was praying for me now, don't you? Help Blondie, help him to live for you. Help Blondie to live for you. you. You know what I learned from my grandma? Both grandmas, as a matter of fact. Focus. Focus. What do you focus on? My grandma was trying to teach me to focus on Christ. You know what my tendency is though? My tendency is to focus on the circumstances of life. When things don't go the way I want them to, oh, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm grumpy. You ever met someone like that? You ever met someone who has that person personal? By the way, don't throw any elbows and please don't point tonight. You know, some of your wives are like, honey, he's talking about you right now. You ever met someone who has that Eeyore personality? Well, it's probably going to rain today. Man, it's hot. It's so hot outside. Yeah, I'm gonna walk in the in, walk in the church and huh, oh, it's cold in here. Man, that preacher, man, he is too loud. Why does he have to yell? Did you see him walking all over the place today? What? In, can he not stay put? By the way, I'll tell you why I do it. Because there's a camera back there. And every time I move, someone has to get up and move the camera. I love it. It is awesome. I know how to push buttons. The the truth is, is what are you focusing on? Eeyore's like, well, woe is me. Life's hard. I don't know if I can make it. Or or do you have more of the Tigger personality? (laughs) You know, everything's okay. He's a bouncy, 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 bouncy. Everything's wonderful for him. What's your personal, you know what it all boils down to? Here's what it is, what you focus on. What do you put your focus on? Where is your faith lying? Where is my faith lying tonight? And the story here in Matthew chapter number 14, to me is a story about focus. Hey, can I tell you, we live in some rough times. Society, turn on the TV, we live in some rough times. And if all I do is focus on the White House, or I focus on, some newscast, or if I focus on the, the economy, if I focus on what happened to my retirement, because it's gone, if I focus on all those things, good night. Life's terrible. If I focus on the arguments, or that my wife and I, we call them discussions, we don't even call them arguments. If I focus on my discussions with my wife when she's right and I'm always wrong, and I just said that publicly. Don't tell her I said that, please. She hates my driving. I don't know if any of you husbands experience this or not. My wife is the best driver on the planet. She sits right over there and she tells me how to do it. And I, 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 I am. I have become a better driver because she's sitting with me right now. She'd be like, "She'd be like, that's not it." And she would actually say, "Kurt, it's not your driving that I don't like. It's your lack of driving that I don't like." And we drive in evangelism now a lot. So God puts us to the test a whole lot in the car. And if all I do is I focus on the circumstances of a discussion, I lose my joy. I lose my heart. Look at Matthew chapter number 14. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter number 14. The Bible says this. We, we started reading verse 24 earlier. Can I go back up? Just to, Just go to verse 20. Just get some context here, the passage. Jesus just fed the multitudes, 5,000 men alone, not counting the women and the children. The Bible says in verse 20, when they, they did all eat and were filled, they, by the way, what were they filled with? What, what, was the, what was the entree that day? Fish and bread, five loaves, two fishes. Captain D's, you know, five hush puppies, two little pieces of fish. Jesus took that, he blessed it, he broke it, he fed the multitudes. By the way, I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus took that young boy's lunch, that lad's lunch, he prayed over, it. he break. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if he just like break and all the baskets. I don't know how it happened. I know the disciples took the baskets and fed the multitudes and the Bible says every person was filled. Could you just be one of those disciples for just a minute? Here's the disciples. Jesus just said, have them sit down in companies of 50. Everyone sit down. We're all in groups now. We're sitting on this hillside. My wife and I actually got to be there in that area where they say the feeding of the 5,000 took place. Beautiful, beautiful landscape. And, and, and just imagine those people there and, and Jesus praying and blessing the food and breaking it. And then the disciples coming in and John comes over and grabs, I love I love thinking how the disciples would have been thinking. John grabs the basket and probably stopped and gave Jesus a hug because he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And grabbing a basket and running off to the crowd, his little group, and fed them. And next in line, here comes Thomas and says, I don't believe it. This can't be happening. How how is this happening? This can't be happening. Doubt us, he was the he was the doubter. Thomas the doubter. And, 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 then, and then maybe Peter comes over and says, hey, I got this one. Right, let me take this. Picks the biggest basket, you know, and uh, flexing his muscles as he goes. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, I, I just picture these disciples. Could you imagine them though? I, I, I'm being silly, but could you imagine the disciples? Think about this. They saw this little lunch and now the baskets are full and running over. And they're like, whoa. Check it out! Hey Barth, oh Bart, hey Bart, look! This thing's full. This is. Hey James, look here. This is. This is amazing. And they they finished feeding the five thousand. And the Bible says that Jesus constrained them to get in a ship to go to the other side. Could you? Could you just? Let's see. What, what verse was that? Straightway, verse twenty-two. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get in a ship. Go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Don't you wish you could be right there getting on that boat with those disciples? How many of you men love to fish? You love to go fishing? A couple of you love, I mean, you, you ever, you ever, wives, have you ever heard those husbands come home from going out fishing and they start talking about the big catch they got? Oh, honey. You should have seen it. It was that big, that big. And our tails grow, you know, uh, the, that fish fought for six hours and it was great and I finally reeled it in. We, our stories grow. Could you imagine those disciples that day? Here they're getting on the boat. Whoa, did you see that? There, there's 12 baskets full left over. The high fives they're giving and they're, they're, they're rejoicing over the mighty victory God had given. Then they get in the ship. They start rowing the boat to get the other side. Probably still telling the stories of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Talk about a mountaintop. Hey, you know what follows a mountaintop? A valley. There's no such thing as a mountaintop without a valley. Do you know what our Christian life is, church family? Can Can I... Can I just say this bluntly? Our our Christian life is a roller coaster of ups and downs. We just finished powerhouse. Woo, that was great. Soul saved, altar packed. Look what God's done. And some of your parents are like, well, my kid forgot to bring that home with them because they came home grumpy and tired and they didn't obey. Here's the mountaintop all the way down to the valley. Here's the disciples. Woo, feeding of the 5,000. Hey, I wrote down in my notes, storms always follow the miracles. The rough times always come after we see a great moving from God. You wanna know why? Because we have an enemy and Satan hates you and Satan wants to hurt you. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to discourage you. And every time we hit the mountain oh, don't you wish we could stay on the mountaintop? Don't you wish we could have that spirit of revival? That just, Don't you wish we could have that, that family unit just lovingly, kindly getting along all the time? Moms, don't you wish you didn't have to say to your kids, stop fighting! Can't you kids just get along? My mom used to say this, if you don't have anything kind to say, don't... Oh, you have the same mom I had. If you don't have anything kind to say, don't say anything at all. Why? Because there's those times where you feel, there's those times when you feel the presence of God and it seems so close. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at me like, I have no idea what you're saying, Brother Copeland. You know those times, you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that burden being lifted and you're like, whoa, I'm on my way to heaven and you couldn't wait to tell everyone. You picked up the phone and you called your uncle and your uncle said, you kook. Oh, you're one of those now too, huh? And Brother Rob, we're out stolen and knocking on doors and biting people. People were so kind and so gracious. Only one, only one was short with us and he was even kind being short with us. He just said, I don't want it, thank you. Shut the door. You walk away from a door like that and you're like, man, I might as well quit. It's not worth it. Life is a roller coaster for every one of us. Could you imagine Pastor Bish, the roller coaster? Powerhouse, wow. And today's so sick he can't even t- stay, so hurt and so bad. Talk about a roller coaster. Talk about feeling like, ah, I can make it, this is wonderful. And then, oh, down the, and then, hey, who knows, tomorrow, back up on the mountaintop. Later on in the week, down in the valley. Hey, how do we, do we just wave the white flag? and say I quit. I'm tired of this roller coaster of life. Wouldn't it be nice if it was just consistent? You know why it's not consistent? S I N. Sin. And until sin is gone out of our lives, by the way, when will that take place? When you take your last breath. That's the only time that will take place. So as long as there's sin in our life, life is going to be like this. This is how life, for every one of us, every one of us have the high points, every one of us have the low points. My personality is, whoop, we're here. Hey, it's not gonna bother me. We'll figure it out. Who cares? We were driving home from a a meeting in Pennsylvania, crossed over into West Virginia. My wife made me get up early, early in the morning. I'm a youth pastor at my heart. I mean, I served 28 years as a youth pastor. Can I tell you what that means? Morning for me starts somewhere around noon. I don't want to get up early in the morning. I, don't, some, I, I used to hear preachers say, well, I got up at four o'clock in the morning and I got started reading my Bible and spending time with God. You know what I found out, Brother Tim? God's still awake at noon. There's no trophies for getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get along with God. There's no trophies for that. And I, I, that sounds terrible for me to say. I don't mean that. I do mean that. But the truth is, I, I can spend time with God at noon or I can spend time with God at four in the morning. I can spend it with, with him at 10 at night. And I, I, we, we got up early in the morning. My wife said, let's get home quicker. We'll, we'll get some things done. We started down the road, crossed over into West Virginia, the hills of West, and there's hills, mountains and and you fall off the edge. They won't find you for months. It was foggy out. It was still dark out. It had been raining. It was cold. My wife said, there there was cars coming at me with the fog. I mean, you could hardly see anything. She said, Kirk, make sure you're going slow. I've got got this, honey. Famous last words, right? I've got this. She took a swig of her water. As she took a swig of her water, she was like, I looked at her, what? She said, look at boom. One of those big old deer, it's like a moose deer. I mean, it was huge. Those deer in West Virginia are mammoth. I nailed that thing, totaled out our car. First time I've ever been deer hunting. Got one. (laughs) Big old buck. I didn't even count the pointers. Can I tell you, God had a purpose in it. I didn't get out of the car and say, well, praise God, this is good. Well, glory, look at that blood on the hood. That's all. I didn't. By the way, I did take pictures of that. Can I tell you, God had a purpose in it. I don't know what the purpose was, but God had a purpose in it. That roller coaster of life is real. There's good days. You'll go to work some days and the days are great. You'll go to work some days and the boss is on your case about everything. There's times your, your neighbor loves you and thinks you're the greatest person. There's other times they hate you and they send their dog to your yard to use the bathroom. They hate you. Can I tell you, life's that way. I notice in this passage of scripture, the disciples went from the mountaintop experience of the feeding of the 5,000 and the storms followed the sunshine. The trials came after the mountaintop. I see number two, storms can make you feel helpless. Look, if you would please, verse number 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. These guys are on a little simple boat. They're not on some big ship. The Sea of Galilee now is about five miles on each direction. It's not a real big body of water. The historians say it was about eight miles in those days. My wife literally and I got on a boat on the Sea of Galilee back in 2018. And it was a nice bright sunshiny day like today and the wind wasn't much, but it was kicking out there on the water. And our boat, and it was a big boat. I've got a video of it. The boat was rocking. And I just started vision, trying to envision what those disciples were going through. Here these guys are on the middle, in the middle of the water. The Bible says in the fourth watch of the night, about 3 a.m. They're out there. They can't see anything. They're rowing across. They're, they're now fighting. the. Talk about helpless. You ever been there? Hey dad, you ever been there? When the bill comes in the mail and you think, how in the world am I gonna pay that? When you go to the job site and the boss calls you to his office and says, hey, we're dissolving your job. Your position is being done away with. And you're thinking, wait a second, I pulled overtime. I gave the best years of my life to this place. And now you're telling me just to walk away? You stood at the altar. Sir, you saw that pretty little girl and you thought, I'm going to marry her. You held her hands at the altar, stared across, and, oh. You said, I do. She said, I will if I have to. You got married and you thought man everything's going to be fantastic we'll never have an argument and the marriage crumbles some of you here in this auditorium you've experienced that it hurts you ladies you stood there and you stared at him and I said it this morning he was your knight in shining armor and now kind of a rusty bucket of bolts right you married him and and my wife asked me, she said before we got married, she said, Kurt, do you snore? <laughs> no, I don't snore. And I didn't. Then I got fat, got old. And guess what? I snore now. My barrel chest is now a round belly. I, I, you know, ladies, you, you, some of you woke up this morning and you looked across at him laying in the bed and you said, <sighs> you, you looked at him and said, Luke, I am your father. He's wearing that mask so he can breathe. And and you think, I didn't sign up for that. That's not what it was. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Hey, sometimes things don't work out the way we want them to. Sometimes you go to the doctor. The doc looks at you and says, hey, we need to run some more tests. Yeah, but doc, I felt great coming in. There's no problem. Well, no, we need to run some more tests. Brother Rob, you remember the old skit, the doctor's office visit? We used to do it all the time. Maybe you remember it. The, the, the guy walks in for his yearly checkup at the doctor. I probably shouldn't do this. I don't have time to do this, but I'm going to anyway. He walks in for his yearly checkup, and he goes in, and there's a, a, a teenage girl sitting at the desk. She's, she's the fake secretary, and, and the waiting room's on the platform. And, and the, the guy comes in, feeling, you know, whistling, you know, yippity doo da. He's walking in. Everything's great. Walks in. Hey, I'm here for my yearly checkup. Okay, any problems? No, no, no. I feel great. You know I, I how it's boring. He goes and sits down, and just a few moments later, another teenager playing the role comes in, and that teenager comes in and he's <coughs> and he's like, I've got to see the doctor, I can't stop coughing. He walks up there and all right, just goes and the, the, the receptionist is backing up, just go sit down. Goes and sits down next to the healthy guy, and as he sits down, the healthy guy goes, <coughs> and the guy who came in coughing now all of a sudden stops coughing. And the healthy guy's like <laughs> and the guy who came in coughing gets up goes back Saturday, hey i feel great now i need I, I don't need to see the doctor and leaves a few moments later someone else comes in sneezing achoo, achoo, achoo. and comes in same thing goes and sits down the guy's over there <laughs> achoo, achoo, achoo. And coughing and sneezing the guy who came in sneezing leaves hey i feel great next guy comes in he's scratching all over itchy you know rashes and he comes and you, you get the picture The the healthy guy's catching everything everyone else brought. The last person who comes in, this lady, a teenager with a pillow under her tummy, comes walking in, pregnant. I I gotta see the doctor. The guy sitting there's like, ah, takes off running. He doesn't want to catch that disease. Hey, sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? If anything bad's gonna happen in life, it seems to happen to you. Why? Because the storms follow the sunshine. Trials come. Here in this this time, these guys felt helpless. They They couldn't row to get out of the water. Everything was crumbling around them. They just came from the mountaintop and now everything is sour, everything's bad. Hold on, I love this. I wrote down number three. God's always in the midst of my storm. I don't know if you caught that or not. God is always in the midst of my storm. Look, if you would, please, verse number 26. The Bible says this. Well, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. In the middle of the storm. <laughs> this is awesome. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they supposed, they, 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 they were troubled saying, it is a Spirit, you know what that means? It's a ghost. Ah! I mean, here are these guys. Could it get any worse? They're getting ready to die. They're in the middle of the water. The boat's rocking back and forth. The lightning, the the thunder, the waves, the the, the wind. Everything's going wrong. And they look out and there's something on the water. Whoa! These guys are, no! And Jesus, I love this. I love this. And they cried out for fear, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Get this, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Hey, Heritage Baptist, I don't know what storm you're facing. Do you know what Jesus' message for us tonight is? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Yeah, but you don't, Brother Kurt. you don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't. I'm not the one saying be of good cheer. It is I, that's not me. That's Jesus preaching there. And Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, is the one who said that to his disciples some 2,000 years ago. And he says the same thing to us tonight. He says, no matter what your storm is, no matter what your trial is, be of good cheer. Why? It's I. Be of good courage. What's Jesus saying? I've got you taken care of. Brother Greg, you didn't know what I was gonna preach tonight. Your song, you know what it is? God's gonna heal me one way or the other, so be of good cheer. You say, well, what if it means I go on to heaven? Well, none of us want to go in the next load. None of us do, but if we really believe the Bible, we wouldn't dread it. Because heaven's gonna be pretty awesome. Jesus is in the midst of your storm. Can I say it one more time? Jesus is in the midst of your storm. Hey, parents, that, that, that child causing you grief, Jesus is in the midst of your storm. That child walked out of the house and they said they'd never go back to church again. Hold, hold on. Jesus is in the midst of your storm. Jesus knows the trial you're facing. And Jesus is there in the middle of the storm. Well, why does Jesus put me through the storm? Oh, now that one I can't answer. And neither can anyone else. Ask Job, Job 23, what's Job say? When I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. By the way, after he said that, Job still had a hard time. Matter of fact, not until you get to chapter 42, I think I should have studied more. Probably 42, somewhere around 40, 41, 42. Job finally says this. He says, he, everything was made right. He was restored. Everything was fine. When he prayed for his enemies, when he prayed for the ones who were hurting him, that's when God put things, whoa, what an amazing lesson. I can't explain why Job lost everything, but I can say this. Jesus is in the midst of my storm. Jesus is in your storm. Can't see him sometimes, can you? Job 24, Job said, I pray to God, but he's not there. You ever felt that way? You ever felt hopeless, helpless? You know, you've been in church. You've got a fantastic pastor who's taught you the word of God. You know Jesus is there. But it doesn't take away the hurt. So what's our responsibility? Glad you asked. This is the message and I'm done. My time's up. Not quite, I still have three minutes. Here, here's the message. Look if you would please. Verse number 28, here it is, I love this. And Peter answered, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I Here's Peter, I am the man. Jesus, by the way, I like to say it this way, Brother Rob, Peter was the first youth pastor. Here's why I say that. Peter would open his mouth and talk before his brain kicked in gear. I'm a youth, I I was a youth pastor for a long time. I would say things and I'm like, wait, 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 I shouldn't have said that. Here's Peter, Lord, let me, if that's really you out there, then Lord, let me come unto you. By the way, I I love this. And they, they, Jesus answers verse 29 and he said Jesus said come on big boy <laughs> come on all right you think you're the man let's go the storms raging life get this life is terrible for these disciples right now just a f- few hours before life was grand now they think it's o- it's over Peter looks, says, Lord, let me come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Oh. You ever met someone walking on water? I'm not talking about ice. I'm not talking about like on, on wet pavement. I'm talking about walk, walking on water. I can answer that for you. You've not seen it. Neither have I. We have two accounts of it in the word of God. Both of them right here in Matthew 14. You know what I learned here in Matthew 14? Jesus walked on the water and Jesus said to Peter, come on, big boy, walk to me. I I love to picture this. Here's the water. I mean, the waves are still rocking. The winds are blowing. The rain's coming. The lightning's flashing. The ghost of Jesus is walking on the water and and the disciples look out there like, "Ah, Jesus said, it is me. Don't be afraid. Give good cheer. And Peter follows up saying, Lord, let me come join you. Jesus says, come on. Peter sits on the edge of the front of that boat, throws one leg over. I can imagine the disciples, John, John John's back there, and John, the beloved disciple. John, oh, don't do it. Don't do it, Peter, you're gonna die. Jesus, I love you. Peter, don't do it. Thomas, there's no way. There's no way. James, push him over. Push him on over. Peter jumps out, literally. Just like I landed right there. Walking on, say, well, how far did Peter go walking on the water? Well, you weren't there and I weren't there. I weren't there. None of us saw it. We don't know how far he walked. I don't know. The Bible says he walked on the water, which indicates he took some steps. And everything was grand in his life in the middle of the storm. Folks, here it is. In the middle of the storm, everything was grand in his life until the very next verse. But when he saw the winds, boisterous. When Jesus, excuse me, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus in the storm, everything changed. Hey, folks, we all have storms. How do you make it through the storms? Here it is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. The news stinks. Stinks. You go, guys go to the barbershop to get your hair cut and the talk at the barbershop stinks usually. Ladies, I've never been to a beautician. I don't, I don't know. Chances are you sit there, there's probably a little gossip session that takes place there too, just like it does at the barbershop. Guess what? Usually not positive things. You start saying you're a Christian, everyone shuts up, they avoid you. Sometimes life's tough. So when the, when the storms of life come and when we're having the hard time and the attacks coming from everywhere, what do we do? Wave the white flag and quit. Well, I'd go to that church, but that church there, they're all hypocrites there. Yep, we all are, we all are. I'm not arguing that at all. The church is made up of people, I, I am here. I'm the biggest hypocrite in the room. You wanna know why? This morning I woke up, my hair, I mean, I had bedhead. I mean, it was bad. And, and you know what I did? I went and stood in front of the mirror. like I didn't come to church that way. Why? Because I don't want you to see me that way. That's the real me. You hypocrite. You. Some, of you. some of you had a little discussion with your family before you got to church tonight. Thank you for not bringing the discussion in the back doors. Thank you. Well, you hypocrite. You're just putting on a show here. No, no, no. We're all hypocrites. We all are. Hold on, hold on. The world attacks us because they say we're hypocrites. Truth is, we're all in the middle of the storm. And when life starts getting rough, are you gonna quit and run and prove them right? Or are you gonna stick to it and keep your focus on Jesus? Let me say it one more time. Are you gonna run and hide or are you gonna keep your focus on Jesus? You see, grandma, grandpa, honestly, I almost almost started pointing at people. Grandma, I, I insult some of you, so I'm not gonna do that. Grandma and grandpa, guess what? Grandchildren are watching you. They're going to see when the rough times come. They're going to start talking when the rough times come. And they're going to see if your Christianity is real or not. And when the rough times come, when the storms come, keep your focus on Jesus. I was in the car. Forgive me, I met met the bishops officially for the first time this week. Brother Tim and I were in the car talking about your dad's diagnosis. You know what he said? Here's, here's what your pastor said. I, he, I'm sure he's told you. Maybe I'm saying too much. Slap me and tell me to shush up if I need to. He told me, he said, his dad caught him. He said, you know what? I, I don't even remember the words you used, but basically it was, it's going to be Okay. I don't know what's happening, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a positive spirit about this. You know what that is? That's not self-help. That's relying on God. That's keeping your focus on God when things don't go the way you want them to. Hey, can I challenge you Heritage Baptist, tonight? Here it is. Storms are coming. I'm not a doomsday guy. I am the the epitome of the of the op- optimist, pessimist. I'm, I'm very positive, whichever one that one is. Optimist. I, hey, it's all good. The cup can be bone dry and, and to me the cup is half full. I'm okay with it. But what about when it gets rough? What about when things don't go the way you want them to? What about when tragedy comes? When hurt comes. When financial strain comes. Here it is. I learned this from Peter, from Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Keep your focus on him. This week, no telling what God has in store for any of us. I could be in heaven this week. By the way, don't cry for me. Rejoice with me. If God takes me to heaven this week, I am going to have, I'm going to be kicking up some gold dust in heaven. I'm going to have a good old time. Hold on. Why? Because it's heaven. Don't cry for me. Can I say this? I don't know what's going to happen in your life this week, in your home, in your marriage, with your children, with your church, but I know this. God's in the midst of your storm. And in the midst of your storm, Jesus Christ wraps his arms around you says, walk with me. I've got you. When the rough times come, follow your knees and get back to Jesus. Tonight, I just want to encourage you. Keep your focus on Jesus. Don't put it on your circumstances. Focus on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word.